0: Today we hear two of the most vivid stories in the whole of the Bible, one from the New Testament and one from the Old Testament. We hear the story of the transfiguration of some of the disciples going up the mountain with Jesus and seeing him transfigured in front of them and there with those two pillars of the Old Testament with Moses and with Elijah. This comes as the reading starts, as it says at the beginning, six days after another important exchange between Jesus and the disciples. Jesus says to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And the disciples say, some say you're the prophets. Some say Elijah. And he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter. I will build the church on this rock. And so it's Peter and the others who go up the mountain with Jesus just six days after this, and there is this revelation, this unveiling of Jesus in front of them. It's not that Jesus ceases to be human. Jesus is the incarnation. He is fully human. But it also shows to the disciples, for perhaps the first time, his full divinity. He is both fully man and fully God. And this is the last of the revelations, the last of the unveilings, which starts with the epiphany with the wise men, goes through the baptism in the Jordan. And here on the mountain, we see the transfiguration. But we also have another story which links through that. Who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. Why do they say Elijah? Elijah was undoubtedly one of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets one of the true defenders of God. If you read the whole of the story in 1 Kings as well as 2 Kings, here is the man who pulled down fire on the priests of Baal. Who is the ma- here is the man who stood up to Ahab and Jezebel. Here is the man who stood up when Naboth was murdered and his vineyard stolen. Here is the man who went into the wilderness and was fed by God who had ravens bring him food. And here was the man who God revealed himself to when he was up in the mountains, in the rock, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, not in the wind, but in that still small voice of calm. This was Elijah who stayed faithful to God, who stayed true to God throughout his life. And the the most important, one of the most important things about Elijah is what happens here in this reading. Elijah does not die. Elijah is swept up into heaven, or as one, another translation says, something like heaven. One of only two people in the Old Testament to whom this happens. Elijah is swept up, and we hear Elisha, his successor, saying, the chariots of Israel and horsemen. It's hard not to be swept up in both of these stories. They are amazing. They are incredible. They are awesome. But they're also and they're also somewhat unattainable. Unattainable for us as human beings. What can we as mere mortals do? Are we going to go to the mountaintop and see our Lord transfigured? Are we going to see someone swept up by chariots and horsemen up into heaven? No, I don't think so. And yet we have to live our lives as faithful people and there is this gap sometimes between the stories that we hear, the stories that we read, and the lives that we live. And this is an issue with much of trying to live out the teachings that we read in the Bible. We read the Beatitudes, we read the Sermon on the Mount, and we think, how can I do that? I want to focus on another story to try to tie all of this together a little bit. In his last week in Jerusalem, going into Jerusalem one day, Jesus is walking by the roadside with the disciples, and he feels hungry, and he sees a fig tree in full leaf, and he goes over to the fig tree to look for figs, but there's nothing there, just leaves. And so he curses the fig tree, and it withers in front of him, and the disciples say, how did you do that? How did you do that? And he said, You just need to have faith. I tell you, if you have faith, you could tell that mountain to pick itself up and to be thrown into the sea. The faith that moves mountains. And yet we all know in our heart of hearts that however hard we try, we're not going to move a molehill, far less a mountain. So again, what do we make of these stories which seem to promise such great things but from which we will always fall short. How do we do that? The transfiguration, the word transfiguration is a synonym for transformation. It is the transformation which takes place in front of you. Sometimes it's a transformation which shows something inward which is going on, but it is a transformation. And yet transformation, I think, is a better word. It can be a slightly smaller word, It can be a slightly slower word. It can be a more gradual word. It can be less sudden uh, and less dramatic. Now the point is not that transformation gets you in the end to a different place, but the transformation for human beings is attainable. Let me use a non-religious metaphor. People always talk about how hard it is to turn an oil tanker around you can't turn an oil tanker around on a dime or anything like a dime, but at the same time, you can turn an oil tanker around. And if you think of just the mathematics of this for a second, if you change the course by half a degree a day, an imperceptible amount, half a degree a day, after one year, you will have turned around 180 degrees you will have turned around completely. And it is that gradual change, that gradual transformation, which in the end can be as dramatic as a transfiguration. Maybe not as sudden, maybe in some ways not as vivid, but looked back on just as dramatic, just as transformational. Let me give an example and some of you have heard this already because we did talk about it a little earlier this week. In the sacred ground course that many of us have been engaged in looking at faith and race and where we stand in that and particularly where as white people we stand in that. We have been talking about the possibilities of transformation, about the possibilities of inward transformation for ourselves, but also transformation for us as a community as the community of St. John's, and what that transformation might then spread out from this community into broader places. When we were talking, when some of us were talking about this, a couple of the people said, slightly worried I think, I haven't found this transformational. I haven't found it transformational. And I think it comes back to this idea again, which is we face when we look at the transfiguration, when we look at the story of Elijah, that we expect too much of ourselves. We expect this to be sudden and dramatic. We expect like almost like St. Paul was to be hit by this light on the road to Damascus and for everything to change. And yet that may not be how transformation works. It can be to be sure but it may not be, it may be slower. And so I want to give an example, looking at sacred ground and particularly looking at myself about how I think this transformation might work, how this half a degree a day might be achieved. For the last session, there were a number of materials, but the two key ones probably were a film by the historian, uh, Robert Louis Gates, which looked at the transatlantic slave trade. And as we were going through that, and I was making myself watch it, I was making myself pay attention, it was a story that I knew, but there were new facts, there were new elements to it. There came a point at which he visited West Africa and talked about how the chiefs of the local tribes had themselves enslaved people and then sold them uh, to the white slave traders. And I felt against myself a moment of relief. Small moment of relief. The story got much worse again, but that small moment of relief. One of the other readings was a magazine article by James Baldwin in Ebony Ebony Magazine back from 1965. And I read that after I'd watched the Henry Louis Gates film. And he talks about white people being impaled on their history like a butterfly on a pin who become incapable of changing themselves or the world says they don't know how to release themselves from their history and they suffer enormously from the resulting personal incoherence. This incoherence is heard nowhere more plainly than in those stammering, terrified dialogues, which white Americans sometimes entertain with that black conscience, the black man in America. The nature of this stammering can be reduced to a plea. Do not blame me. I wasn't there. I didn't do it. My history has nothing to do with Europe or the slave trade. Anyway, it was your chiefs, your chiefs, who sold you to me. I was not present on the Middle Passage. I am not responsible for the cotton fields of Mississippi. And so he goes on. And truly, I did feel like a butterfly impaled on my own history. Um, That got me good and proper. But what it also did and there's no doubt that this is so deep inside of us that it needs more than one of these occasions, is that perhaps, for that day, was that half a degree of course change. That half a degree of transformation, which if we work at it, if we work at it, if we pray about it, if we think about it, if we talk about it, if we're open with ourselves, if we're open with others, may produce that transformation which we seek. And after a period of time, we may find that we have turned around. This in the end is the promise of the cross itself. It's not the promise of the transfiguration, it is the promise of the cross. That we, despite our history, whatever we may have done are forgiven by God. If we allow ourselves to be forgiven by God, We are not trapped by our past. We are not impaled like a butterfly on the page. We are free to change. We are free to be better. We are free to leave our sins behind us. And it is that which makes this transformational possible. So as individuals, as a church, we are unlikely to find ourselves all of a sudden on the mountain top with that bright, radiant light. We are unlikely to see Elijah swept up to heaven in a whirlwind accompanied by the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. But at the same time, to go back to that other Bible story, it may well be that after this period of time, we individually, and we as a church, looking back on it, realize that with God's help, our faith, in fact, has begun to move that mountain of bigotry and racism out of our way, out of the way of our society, and into the sea, and that will be transformational. What seemed insurmountable is surmountable if we believe in it and if we believe in God. So let us hope for that. Let us hope that in time we will be transformed and that that transformation will bring some light to this benighted world. Amen.